Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. From our Gospel text, Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, we see a familiar story, a familiar parable, that uh, when you look at this, Uh, It's supposed to be something that's not completely abstract or apart from yourself. Um, In fact, uh, it's one of these things that sometimes when I'm preparing for a sermon, uh, I go see people in their homes and I kind of, I bring communion to them and then I, I preach the preliminary sermon of what I'm thinking about for Sunday. And one such instance this last week was I started to preach this and I said, I said, in the church, we need to hear this story. And this person said, careful, careful. And I was like, and so I thought, careful? What should we be careful about? And so I gently said, no, I don't think I'm going to be careful with this one. It's something that we should all keep in mind. I keep it in mind for myself. I would never preach anything to y'all that I don't try and preach first and foremost to myself, that in this, even in the church, we have people, and I'm not pointing fingers at any particular person, and I think that's what this person was worried about, that I was going to be pointing fingers and saying, you know, oh, so-and-so and so-and-so is just like the Pharisee. But it's one of these things where I say, even I need to remind myself that sometimes I am guilty of being like the Pharisee. Sometimes I myself am guilty of looking at other people and saying horrible things, thinking horrible things in my heart, saying, can you believe that? Uh, I'm so glad I'm not like them, or something like that. So that if I have this problem, I would imagine other people have this problem too. Because it's a common problem for all of us who have the sinful flesh. We sometimes get a little uppity, as it were, about who we are and who someone else is. And so we have to say, what spirit do I have within me? Sometimes our sinful flesh gets the better of us to where we viscerally react and look at someone else and what they've done or what they're doing or what they look like or whatever. And you say to yourself, "Ugh, that's horrible. Can you believe that? Or something of the sort, right? So... What Jesus is doing here is he is saying this not only to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt, he preaches that to all people at all times, that this is what we should keep in mind, that to have the spirit of the Pharisee is not good and God-pleasing, but to have the spirit of the tax collector is God-pleasing because of what the focus is. The focus of the Pharisee, if we can go through all the things that he's saying, on some level, (laughs) this prayer is uh, understandable. Because on some level, we as Christians should pray to God similarly, but it's just a fine enough point of difference on the Pharisee's part that we say that's too far. We should pray similarly on some level, saying, I thank you, God, that you have saved me. I thank you that you have made me a new creature. But it's too far to go and say, 
I thank you that I am not like those other men, extortioners, the unjust, adulterers, or even like that guy over there, right? That tax collector that nobody likes. And you've made me this way. And this is one of these things also. When he mentions things like fasting and giving tithes, those things in and of themselves are not bad things. In our small catechism with fasting, Martin Luther instructs us even and says, fasting is certainly fine training for the body, right? It's fine training for the outward body, but what's required for the sacrament is that all hearts believe what is going on, right? Fasting is not the requirement, but it is good. It is good sometimes to abstain it is good sometimes to forego a meal from time to time and use that time for prayer or for reading um, God's word or something along those lines. What's wrong is that this Pharisee thinks that that is what saves him, right? And he also thinks, well, if, if we were to say because the Pharisee fasts, we should never fast, we should also say if the Pharisee tithes, we should never tithe. If we did that. I don't think we'd have a church for very long, right? So tithing is good. Fasting is good. To give of what you've been given is a good thing. And yet, what is bad, what is twisted, what is sinful is to look at these things and say, that's what justifies me before God. So in this sense, this man is not justified because he trusts in himself, right? He trusts in himself. He exalts himself. And he doesn't understand. He misses the entire point. The whole point of him being in the temple here is to receive. The whole point of being in the temple is to be given grace and forgiveness and mercy. It is not a place to prove yourself. Because the only thing you will wind up doing in trying to prove yourself is exactly what we say about ourselves in the confession at the beginning of the service, that we are not worthy of God's grace, that the only thing that we deserve is temporal and punishment for all time, right? That if we were to put our merits on the scales of God's justice, they would be lighter than a feather. They would not outweigh what God demands of us. And so... This is a good test for all of us to say, are we like the Pharisee at times? And it may sound harsh, but if we are even like the Pharisee at certain points in time, we cannot, by God's law, which is good and perfect and just, we cannot just say, oh, well, that was just one time. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. God demands perfection. And so even if we find ourselves driving on the highway and someone cuts us off or does something and we engage in a bit of road rage even, we wind up saying, oh, can you believe that person? And we wind up saying, I would never do that. I would never, you know, it's like, but think back how many times have you, right? Or even how, how much in your own heart do you think of things you ought not to think of? A good test for us is, what do we daydream about? What do we fantasize about? Even if we were to fantasize that we would have a bunch of, that we would have a lot of wealth, 
even so to just give it to the church. On some level, that's even vainglorious because we want to be the one to give, right? Our sinful heart finds all kinds of ways to twist things into something that is not good and God-pleasing, and we don't even have to try. We don't even have to try. So for us, and all the things that we would present before God, or even the knee-jerk reactions we would have that are sinful and not God-pleasing, when we look at somebody and what they're doing, what they look like, or whatever, instead of simply just letting it go, or condemning them within our own hearts, we should cry out to God for mercy. First and foremost, for ourselves, and also for the other people, right? That we should be like the tax collector who stands far off. He's in the temple, but he sits way in the back because he doesn't feel that he should be close to God's glory because he does not deserve it. And he beats his breast and he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. But actually, if I can unpack that a little bit, it's more than just that. If you look in the Greek, when he says, be merciful, he's literally saying, God, make atonement for me. Uh, He's basically saying it's the word for the, the excuse me, the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. God, make sacrifice, atone for me according to your mercy. And he doesn't just say a sinner. The Greek is very deliberate, and some might say I'm going too far, but I think it's very appropriate for him to say that he's saying, be merciful to me, the sinner, the only one, the worst As St. Paul says, that of of all those who sin, I am the chief. I am the foremost. It is, funnily enough, the highest form of humility. The highest form of lowering yourself to say, there's no one else worse than me. And because of that you are granted God's grace because it's not just about debasing yourself. It's not just about humbling yourself. It's about humbling yourself before the Almighty God who promises wonderful things, who promises wonderful things to those who trust in Him. And how can you trust in Him while you still trust in yourself? Answer that question. How can you still trust in God if you still hold on to trust within your own being and self and works or thoughts or whatever? That's why Jesus says, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And in this, we see a great example of St. Paul. St. Paul, from our uh, text from 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 10, he starts by saying, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, 
if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that he and of himself did not come up with this by himself. He wasn't so great that God did this for him, but he was one who was first given, and now he gives. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared not to me, but to Cephas, and then to, to the twelve. Then he appeared not to me, but to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have have, 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 some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and then last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles. Not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, this is, this is where it gets kind of funny, I worked harder than any of them. Though, it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the mind we should have, not because St. Paul is so great, but because he is a good example of the mind of Christ. He is a fallen, sinful man. He calls himself the chief of sinners. And yet, we see a bit of it come out here, right? I worked harder than any of them. But it was not I, but God's grace that worked in me. That is the mindset we should have because this mindset is that of Jesus. Because Jesus is said, again, by St. Paul, well, I can find it real quick, uh, in Philippians, oh, these pages. <laughs> in Philippians, I believe it's chapter three, um, no, chapter two. So have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant or a slave, as the Greek really says, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above all names, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That in all these things, we who may be pharisaical in certain ways, can receive God's grace through humility and faith in the one who humbled himself and grants us that faith, the one Jesus Christ who humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross, so that you, like St. Paul, could say, though I am the chief of sinners, God died for me. 
Though I deserve nothing but sin and death, though I deserve nothing but death because of my sin, excuse me, God washes away my sin in holy baptism. He fulfills his promises. He still humbles himself by coming here to give me his body and his blood to eat and to drink. That to be exalted by God is to be humble, to understand who God is and who you are before him and now who you are because of Christ. That in him you are made clean. That in him you are taken up from the depths into the heights with God, his son, as co-heirs with Christ. That in all these things, we draw near to God and we beat our breasts and we say, God, be merciful to me. Make atonement for me, the sinner. And he says, yes, I have and I will continue to do so. I will continue to forgive you. I will continue to be with you, and I will continue to hear your prayers, especially when you pray for those that don't know me, for those who need to know my love. And he says, I will hear you for their sake, and he will do wonderful things with that prayer. He will fulfill his promises because the promises that he makes are the ones that he keeps. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.